This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into pro wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca, use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to signed wrestling memorabilia, from figures to cards to pictures, anything you need or want, they have it there. Best thing is they ship worldwide, and even better than that, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Shadow of the Colossus, World of Warcraft, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, please visit legacysubs.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They got everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything you need or want. It is there. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from travel mugs to hoodies to phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But the best thing, the easiest thing, the freest thing to do to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a professional wrestler best known for his run in the tag team division of Ring of Honor. He is the beer-swilling, cigar-chomping badass, Beer City Bruiser. Hello, thank you for the introduction. How's it going today, my friend? Are you up in uh, Milwaukee? No, actually, I had just moved. Um, I've been in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina oh, for the last month. Uh, the wife and I bought a house in Charlotte, and that's okay. where I currently am. So how, okay, Charlotte to Milwaukee, that's a big, di- like, you know what I mean? Like, temperature-wise, everything, even culture-wise, what's been, like, in the short month you've been there, what's a, yeah. the most thing that's, like, shocked you the most from the move? Uh, uh, everybody's so polite here. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah. In, in Milwaukee and stuff, like, people just, 
entitled and rude. I mean, they're nice people, but sure. here, everyone, it's yes, sir, no, sir, yes, oh. ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah, okay. and it really throws my wife and I off because we're used to people just being jerks. <laughs> so, you know what? It's something about the North, because the same thing up here in Toronto, there's a bunch of jerks running around all the time. I think it's the cold. It just makes people miserable. I think so, yeah. Yeah, when you when you get six feet of snow in the wintertime, <laughs> right? you know what I mean? <laughs> But when your uh, winter lasts nine months of the year, your summer's only a month, and then the fall's only two months, <laughs> you get kind of crabby. Yeah, no kidding. You know what? I know it, it's sad to say, but this whole global global warming nonsense and bullshit and what's going on, and what, it sucks, yes. But for us people live in the northern hemisphere, or in my case, now me, not you anymore, it's been a God blessing because summer comes now in June instead of like mid July. Like in, yeah. in the middle of June, we had like plus, well, we go by Celsius, well, I'll do Fahrenheit. We were almost hitting like 90, 95 up here for like a, a few days. And now it's right back down to like the mid seventies and stuff like that. So it's it sort of tapered off, but yeah, global warming has been helping the Northern hemisphere. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've had a big uh, run of heat up in the wisconsin uh we talked to some of our friends back home and their the weather's just crazy there but here here in north carolina it's perfect i mean the humidity's good the, the temperature's good and oh. i'm enjoying life <laughs> see that's the one thing i'm so jealous about you americans you have like every climate if you want if you want dry heat you can move out to the desert if you want oceans you got two coals if you want snow go up north go south for good beaches up here, it's just snow, and that's about it, right oh, across yeah. the board. Yeah, every time I've gone to Canada, it's always been cold and snowy. Uh, so what are you going to miss most about Milwaukee and Wisconsin? Um, probably the sports teams. I'm a big, uh, my okay. wife and I are big baseball fans. Sure. And uh, North Carolina doesn't have any baseball teams. Oh, Major sure. League. Yeah, yeah. So, because we, we used to go to, like, our, my team's Milwaukee Brewers, and we used to go to at least six seven games a year mm. and uh here we're in north carolina and, and you know we got the mlb app which is great but like right. there's no the closest team to us is the braves which is three hours away so oh, we're gonna make a trip obviously but it's not gonna be like you know when i lived back in milwaukee we were 20 minutes from the stadium so we could just drive to the stadium so the good thing is the panthers play the packers so we'll be able to to get some tickets for that because the Tickets down here, like trying to get Packer tickets in Wisconsin is like next to impossible. I could imagine. <laughs> and uh, the other day, my wife was looking up Panther tickets because she's yeah. a big Baker Mayfield fan, and I guess okay. they just uh, they just got him. Yeah. And she's like, you know, we can get season tickets for like twenty some bucks or something like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Or a month? Like, what are you on. talking about? Where in Wisconsin, you have to get put on a waiting list. It's a sixty year waiting list for Packer season tickets. Oh my god. Yeah, and, and it doesn't matter if the Packers are good or bad. Right, exactly. Everybody goes. We're down here, so I'm looking forward to being able to see some Packer games against the Panthers. I like the Panthers. They're a good team, so it'll be fun to see. You know, one thing I never understood, okay, you guys also have basketball too, obviously, w- w- with the Bucks. but why no hockey? It's like, that's a no-brainer, I would think. Are you guys not into hockey? So we uh, we have the Milwaukee Admirals, which is a... Uh, uh, like a minor, there's a minor league team for the Nashville. Uh, what is that? Nashville Predators. Oh, okay. But they keep saying so. Every I want to say every three or four years, there's talks of bringing a, a NHL team to Wisconsin, and it, it's either Madison or Milwaukee or Green Bay. Sure, of course. And it's always a talk, and it never follows through. <laughs> so, like, if we want to see NHL games, we either got to go up to Minneapolis to the Wild games, or down into Chicago to see the Blackhawks. Okay. okay. Um, 
because again, I'm a hockey fan too. But I, I right. we go to the Admirals, and, and you get to see a lot of the the up and coming guys. You know what I mean? Some minor leagues. So, or if a guy is sent down to rehab, an injury or something like that, um, we'll see that. But I don't know. I don't know why they don't pass the. You know, it, the right. Admirals do really well, and and their attendance is great. I don't know why they don't want to pull the trigger on an NHL team. Like, you know, there's so many teams out there, no no shade against these teams, but like someone like Columbus, like, you know what I mean? Like, well, how does Columbus get a team before Wisconsin? Like, that, I don't know, man. It has to be politics. Well, it blows my mind that Tampa's got a team and there's no snow or ice in Tampa. Well, Florida has two teams, if you think about yeah. it. The state of Florida, right? They have two teams. Yeah. It makes no sense. Dallas, there's no snow down there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just, every couple of years it comes up, you know, NHL team, they're looking at NHL team, we're like, all right, cool, and then it just falls through. So, like you said, it's probably politics. I don't know. Because our sports teams, the thing about Wisconsin sports fans is they're loyal. Like, I know. The Brewers, their attendance is amazing. The Packers' attendance is amazing. The Bucks, their attendances are amazing. You know, especially not the Bucks are the, you know, they were the world champions, not this last season, but the season before. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know why they don't give us an, give them an NHL team. Man, that's crazy. Now you've been in wrestling a long time, my friend. You know, we're pretty much almost the same age. Now you've seen the transition and all that, but how cool is it to go to sporting events and wrestling be part of like pop culture? And you hear like theme songs and people doing wrestling moves in between, like stuff. Like uh, as a wrestler yourself, uh, <laughs> how did you find all that being cool? I think it's awesome. Uh, I grew up in the time period when. It was taboo to be a wrestling fan. Exactly. A wrestling fan. And then the Monday Night Wars hit. Yeah. And Stone Cold and Goldbergs. And it was cool again. Yeah. And then I became a wrestler. And then it was like not cool. And now it's cool again. So I'm okay with it. I love it. Like, um, I forget what baseball player. Well, we went to a game and, and one of the baseball players, his last name's Austin. And he comes out to Stone Cold's music. Oh, that's perfect. I think he plays for the Reds or something like that. And right. it's like, I hate the Reds, but I love the entrance music, man. <laughs> Right, that's so cool. Well, let's get into it. Wrestling. So, again, how did you get into it? What were your like your first steps, and when did you think you could do this for a living? Uh, I got. I became a fan when I was seven years old. My uncle took me to a, a fair uh, oh, okay. way up north in uh, Merrill, Wisconsin, and uh, that's AWA territory. So, okay. my uncle was always a big wrestling fan. Uh, my parents weren't, but my uncle was. So he he took me. And I got to see Brody, Bruiser Brody, live and in person. Oh, wow. And, That's awesome. Yeah, and he just right away hooked me on wrestling. I became obsessed with Brody. And I'm glad I did because he never stayed in one place for too long. Mm. So that's how I discovered Japanese wrestling, Puerto Rican wrestling. Oh. I found uh, Texas, and then I got to see the Freebirds, and then I fell in with Bam Bam Terry Gordy. Oh, shit. You know, and then, he, you know, St. Louis, and that's where you get Harley Race and, and all that. And it was just like, that's awesome. I, just, I was hooked, you know. Um, my the way I got into wrestling was a buddy of mine. We used to all get together for pay per views, and we'd watch the pay per views and stuff like that. And then afterwards, you know, we'd be drunk and stuff. We'd go outside and we'd just throw each other around, and hit each other with stop signs and stuff. Just of course. You know, <laughs> and uh, I had a guy who was at one of these pay per view parties. He's like, "Hey, yeah. do you ever want to be a professional wrestler?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" But I have no idea how to do that. He goes, "Well, my neighbor's actually a wrestler. Would you like to meet him?" Oh. He says, yeah, he says they just had a ring set up in their yard because the news did a, a, a newscast on, like, backyard wrestling. Okay. And they wanted to show, hey, you can do this professionally. Don't do it in the backyard. Come get trained and all that. Oh, smart. So he took me to this guy's house. His name's Jet Bennett. 
And to this day, here I am, 22 years later, I'm still best friends with Jet. Oh, like, wow. He's one of my really good friends, yeah. That's cool. So I, uh, I met him. I remember it was after SmackDown. And it was like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. And I okay. knock on his door. And he kind of answers the door like something behind his back. Because, you know, who's, at, who's knocking on your door at that late? Sure. And uh, he, the, my buddy introduces me to him. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be a wrestler. So he gives me a list of like wrestling schools and people to call. Okay. Number one on that list was the Steel Domain, which is run by Ace Steel and Danny Dominion. That's where right. CM Punk and Cole Cabana came from. Of course. By the time that I called, they had a falling out and the school was closed. Oh, no. The next name on the list was a guy named by Trevor. His name was Trevor Adonis. Okay. And he owned a gym literally miles from my house. Cool. So I walked in and I introduced myself and, and uh, he's like, okay, well, you pay uh pay me 150 bucks. I'll do a fantasy camp with you. It'll be a two hour camp, and I'll, I'll teach you how to hit the ropes, take bumps, sure. and then if you like it, you know I'll, I'll train you. I said okay. So I show up. My two hour session actually ended up being like four and a half hours long nice. because I just picked it up. And he, he's like, man, you're so easy to coach. You're good, and this and that. Right. And that's how I got into wrestling. Um, I thought I could actually do it as a career when I moved to Harley's. And trained with Harley Race. Oh. And then he taught me like the business side of wrestling. And gotcha. I was like, okay, I can do this. And then uh, once I signed that contract with Ring of Honor, that's been my full-time job ever since. No, that's so cool. Okay, and, and again, when, when it was so, Kayfabe was still sort of in play back in the day when you got into wrestling. What was one of like the things that surprised you the most once you became a wrestler that you had no idea as a fan? Just how some of the guys don't look the same on TV as they do in person. Oh, shit. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of threw me off. Um, I remember the first name I wrestled was Honky Tonk Man. Okay. And like he was a complete asshole. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like I get it. You know, and then uh, that, was, that was pretty much, I was like, okay, so something, it, it was one of those things where you don't want to meet your idols kind of thing. But sure. like, so thank God all the guys I looked up into wrestling are amazing guys. Like Mick Foley is one of my idols, and when I met him, he was amazing. Um, of Steve Carino is oh, amazing. He, he Harley was a godsend. You know, Harley was probably the greatest guy on the planet and, and didn't have a bad bone in his body. And then again, you see, and then you see his persona in wrestling. He's such this rugged, tough guy that you're like scared to approach him. And like you're saying, the total opposite in when yeah. when he's outside the ring. That's so cool. He, he's tough. Don't get me wrong. Well, like, of course. When uh, he was sixty some years old, by the time when he, even before he passed away, nobody wanted to challenge him to a fight. <laughs> like, he is I can imagine. He is a legitimate tough guy. Like legitimate. So. Like those old school guys, like I compare it to, because being Canadian, I got to drop it, like like Stu Hart, like you know what I mean? Like those old school wrestlers, like those big like glove hands, there's just something yeah. about that era that just made them so tough and grizzled, as they say, right? They were they were guys that, like if you look at like a, a Stu Hart or a, a Harley Race or a Bruiser Brody yeah, or a Bam Bam Bigelow. They're guys that when you get uh, Crusher, another one in Milwaukee, yep. they're the guys that when you're at a bar, you don't want to pick a fight with. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's like lacking nowadays in wrestling. You know what I mean? There's guys you can look at on TV and go, I can beat that guy up in a bar fight. But like back then, you didn't want to get into a fight with these guys. <laughs> like these guys could kick your ass, you know? Like, 
like they they look like they could kill you. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, and again, going back with the whole kayfabe thing, they would take their persona out when they were in public, so people wouldn't rag or you know, you know what I mean. So then when they go to a wrestling show, they still think it's real. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's, so okay. So you brought up Ring of Honor. You spent a lot of time there. You signed back in 2015. So how did all that get started? And how did you get in contact and get eventually signed with them? So. Um, Steve Carino has always been a mentor of mine. I met him the second year I was in wrestling, and he kind of just took me under his wing. And then Kevin Kelly is another guy that is, is a mentor to me. And they were both at Ring of Honor at the time. And then uh, I'd done a couple shows with Kevin Steen. There you go. And they had all said, man, you need to do a tryout. Like, you're, you're great. You're perfect for this. Like, uh, Delirious, the booker, he's mm-hmm. gonna, he'd love you. And, and I knew <laughs> Delirious from back in the day because he's, he's from, originally from St. Louis. Oh, okay. So we it's amazing how many times we've crossed paths, but we've never really did anything. So it was like two yeah. ships sailing in the night, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, my father-in-law was a huge supporter of mine. And um, because he came from the, the um, like, NASCAR racing oh, okay. background. Yeah, he was a yeah. big racing fan. And, and so he knew that because I, I guess what he taught me – is that the like independent racers and stuff, not the NASCAR guys, but like they struggle like independent wrestlers mm. and, and do all that. So he could relate to like what I was going through. Sure. He was like, you, why don't you do these tryouts? And I was at the point in my life where I'd moved back to Har- from Harley's and I was kind of happy being a big, you know, big fish in a small pond type thing mm-hmm. because I, I'd done all these tryouts and heard the same bullshit over and over and over again. I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing indies and, and all this. Well, we lost uh, my father-in-law in 2013, oh. and um, he left money aside in the will that for the tryout camp, oh. the hotel, the car, the rental car, and the flight to get out there. Wow. But the only way we could touch that money was if I used it for that. Oh. So I told my wife, I signed <laughs> up for the, the camp, and I told my wife, like, I've, I've done these camps tryouts hundreds of times like right. oh this time though i don't want to just be a guy at the tryout camp i want to sure. be the guy there's always that one guy that stands out and i wanted to be that guy and i was that guy and i remember after i got the the first day they everyone was like kevin's like told you i told you that they'd like you and then after the second day uh delirious basically told me hey we're gonna put you in the top prospect tournament and yeah. and just keep checking your email i got a bunch of dates for you you know, you're ready to go. And I was like, awesome, like, let's do this. And then I did the top prospect tournament, and the rest is history. Yeah, no kidding. And then you get pushed into the tag team division. But before that, where, did you have, like, a long singles run before you started tagging with Silas? Not a long singles run. Okay. Um, so it's funny how that worked. I, I always, I was put into a feud right away with Will Ferrara and Cheeseburger. Because okay. we all started, we all did the same tryout camp. Oh. Uh, Cheeseburger and Will... Will was originally t- trained by Taz, but then he did like a, a refinishing camp with Hunter, with Delirious. Okay. And then Berger was trained by Delirious. Okay. So the three of us kind of started in Ring of Honor at the same time. So I was wrestling them almost every show. And then you throw in Rhett Titus or Romantic Touch, and, mm. and like we were doing three ways and four ways and, and all that. Well, we were in Minnesota, and War Machine, who are now Viking Raiders in WWE, yeah. They were tag team champions, and they needed a, or they're building them up to be tag team champions, okay. and they needed opponents in Minnesota to to that were bigger, but like could make them look good. Sure. And so, I got to the building. Uh, Salas and I got to the building, and Hunter walks up to us and goes, "Hey, you guys are going to tag tonight? Like, I don't know why no one's ever <laughs> seen this. But you guys are both from Milwaukee. You're both right? this, so we're going to 
have you guys tag. Yeah. Now, Silas and I only tagged one time before that on the Indies. Oh, wow. The rest of the time, we, we wrestled each other because we broke in at the same time in the same area. Right, right. So we're like, yeah, we can do this. And it was just like chemistry right off the bat. Like, we just had it. And then we got in the ring with War Machine. And I remember it was a match that just, it's the match that got me my job. Oh, and wow. it was, okay. yeah, it was one of those things where we just clicked. And so they ended up putting us in a feud with War Machine. Right. And, and we wrestled them <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. We wrestled, you know, it would just start happening. Right. And then they're like, you know what? You guys are getting a good reaction. We're going to keep the two of you together. And we're like, yeah, we can do this. And so we were tagging. And then when Silas became ROH TV champion, mm-hmm. they're like, we want you still to be with him. You're going to be the heater. You're going to be the guy that they got to get through to get to Silas. Nice. And I was like, okay. And that's how I got to work Dalton Castle and Jay Lethal and, and right. you know, and it was, uh, I remember we went from War Machine to the Briscoe Brothers, then yeah. in the singles with Dalton and then Jay Lethal, and that's like a good group of guys. I was going to say, know? yeah, you can start yeah. a nice promotion with those people. <laughs> yeah, and, and like uh, every day I loved going to work. I loved being on the road. I remember calling awesome. my wife and I was like, this is awesome. I can't believe we're doing, you know, I'm doing this. And then, right. you know, the contract came and it was like, this is, this is it. This is you know, this is how it happens. <laughs> yeah, the dream coming true. And then, obviously, you split up with Silas, and then you form the Bouncers with Brian Malonis. Now, how did all that come to be? Because did you want a singles push after? So what happened was Silas and I were still tagging, and they just introduced the world six-man titles. Oh, so that's right. this angle with us where Silas and I, no one could be our third partner because we didn't like anybody. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we were filming vignettes, which are somewhere on the internet, where okay. we would interview guys, <laughs> and and we, we'd always find something wrong with them, so we'd beat them up. Sure. And we had pitched, hey, why not have us go for the six-mans, just the two of us? Oh, and they're like, Ring of is like, no, we want to establish these. You know, we want to have the three of you. And like, um, I remember that's where I got to work with Suzuki from New Japan because ah, he was one of the guys. And then, okay. you know, we turn on him and he beats me up and <laughs> we work as singles and Silas works as singles. Um, so with Brian, Brian had done the tryout and I had met Brian because he had been coming to the Ring of Honor shows because he's friends with a lot of the guys in the locker room. Oh, okay. And just talking to him back and forth, we realized we both had the same interests. We're both fathers. We're both married men. We both, we just clicked. We had the same interests. And we're just friendly. And then he did the Top Prospect Tournament. And then him and I wrestled in Lowell, Massachusetts. Okay. And we had this huge match. And Ian Riccoboni on commentary said, can you imagine these two together? How unstoppable it would be. There well, is. what we did know is Pants, uh, Todd Sinclair, the referee, mm-hmm. was pitching the idea of us tagging together. Oh, wow. And him being the third guy for me and Silas. Mm. So then that's how he got put with us. So he wrestled Kenny King in Philadelphia. We ran out. We beat up Kenny. Brian's now with us. Um, some stuff happened backstage with Silas where they were like, we're going to separate you guys and get you guys away from him. Okay. And then that's how we became the tag team and that's how we became the bouncers. Yeah, that's right. Okay, now I do remember that. Yeah, because I thought for some reason there was like a little in-between period before you went from the with Silas into the bouncers. But no, no, that's right. The six man, I totally forgot about that whole six-man thing in, in Ring of Honor. I, I don't know why. Yeah, and, I, and as far as singles, I really, at that point, I really didn't care because I was having fun. Like I, I just oh, wanted, cool. to, I just wanted to wrestle, and I'm not one of those guys that demands things. I, you know, I, I Harley taught us that wrestling was here long before you. Wrestling will be here long after you. 
So the time that you're in the business, you might as well make it better. You know what? That's so true. So be, yeah. So just be a company guy. Obviously, if you don't like something, there's a way to voice your opinion. Right. But just, you know, and I, I'm a go with the flow type guy. I pitch my ideas, you know, and some ideas they like, some ideas they didn't like. And, and, you know, and it was just going and I'm, you know, if they wanted me to be singles, I'll be singles. If they want me to be a tag, I'll be a tag. I'll do whatever I want. Just, just <laughs> let me wrestle. So, okay, as a wrestler yourself, I don't know how it is with you guys in backstage and amongst yourselves, but, like, the tag team division is not perceived, like, as prestigious as going for, like, a world singles title. Like, you know what I mean? As many as the Road Warriors and all the people before them came and after winning that all those titles, it does not compare to a world title. Why do you think that is? Or is it just a misconcept? I think it's that way because if you look at it from a promoter standpoint... As far as money is concerned, if you have a singles match, you only have to pay two guys. If oh, you have a tag shit. match, you have to pay four. Gotcha. So who are you going to push in the long run? You're going to pitch the pitch four, push four guys uh, who you have to pay four guys, or are you going to pitch the two? We got push the two guys, and then you only have to you know pay the two. So and plus tag team true. wrestling throughout the years, there's been so many. We're just gonna put these two guys together and throw them out there. You I know, know, there I was no that. real I know. tag teams. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was hard to get behind people. But I love tag team wrestling. I think it's great. I love the what I did in Ring of Honor. Um, it, it, it's a challenge because it's like, okay, we're in a tag team match, and it's obviously not the spotlight; it's the undercard. But let's make them want to see this match. Yeah, but see, there's also fans that love tag, like myself included. I love like growing up. Tag team matches were my favorite. Survivor Series was my favorite pay-per-view, even over the Royal Rumble at one point. And I just loved, like, the whole concept of having multi-man match because it's not a car crash, but, like, you get a singles match, sure, no problem. That's fine. But when you have a kind... So many things could happen and not happen. And uh, I just don't understand why there shouldn't be more, like, great tag teams out there and okay how about this everyone talks about the greatest tag teams and the Mount Rushmore of tag teams how about who in your opinion who are some of your favorite singles competitors to be in good tag teams or multiple tag teams um so Scott Hall I have to say him right ah, now good call uh, him, and, him and him and the singles is awesome but him with Kevin Nash the Outsiders was amazing and I'm even gonna throw back to the AWA him and Kurt Henning as a tag team yeah that was when good had, that, that mustache and the cowboy hat and stuff was great and I, I really looked up to Scott Hall and, and, and took from him, you know, especially when he was part of the Outsiders. Um, as far as singles guys, it became um, T- uh, Tully Blanchard. He was a singles guy, and then he put him with Arn. That's true. And yeah. He, yeah, he started as a singles. Remember, the original Horseman, it was Gene, it was a Holy and um, Arn as a yes, tag team. Exactly. Tully and Flair were the singles. Yes. Then Holy left, so they put Tully with Arn, and you that's probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I know. It's funny you know? how no one mentions them in like the Mount Rushmore. Everyone always goes like to the same ones and like those type of teams, like I guess sort of like, and you know what? They, that's what FTR is pretty much doing now is that sort of style. And look what FTR is doing nowadays. And it's a shame that they didn't get recognized in their time back then. Yeah. And then uh, the last one I'd say would be uh, the Miracle Violence Connection, which is uh, Dr. Dusty Williams ah. and Terry Gordy. There like you go. Gordy, yeah, was was a tag team guy with the Freebirds. They sure. were the original six man guys. I don't care what anybody says. They created six man wrestling. And then Doctor Death was just a singles guy. Yep. Then they go over to Japan. Gordy's over in Japan by himself. So is is uh, Doctor Death. They put him in a tag team and they just wreak havoc. And I mean, ninety two oh, was their year. Wow. 
you know, they came to WCW, they won the NWA titles, they won the WCW titles, and, and they just dominated. My goodness, yeah, there's so, again, we could talk about this forever, there's a ton of tag teams, but I, I have to mention, I know you've you said it before, your status with Ring of Honor, any new developments, anything new you could share, or is still status quo? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good enough. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on, uh, we all found out the same time everybody else did, which was on that Wednesday when Tony Khan came out and made the announcement. Oh, nobody shit. Knew. Yeah, nobody knew. We all knew that, so we had a meeting, and they, okay. they told us our contract. They weren't going to have any more contracted guys, but that they were going to start back up again. Nobody knew the company was for sale. Right. And then all of a sudden, that Wednesday happens, and Tony Khan comes out. I remember I was sitting there watching with my wife. Yeah, yeah. And normally, I don't watch AEW like live. Okay, yeah. Um, but for some reason, my wife and I were. And then okay. he comes out, he made that announcement, and I just looked at her, and she's like, did you know? I'm like, I had no idea. And like right away, your phone goes off. Uh, sure. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Oh my goodness! So I don't know what's going on. Um, I've talked to guys in AEW. I've, I've had communication with them, sure. but I, I can't say what is or what isn't going on with Ring of Honor right now. I, I hope it survives. I really do because it was a great company. Of course, we, we we really prided ourselves in our locker room as being a family and being tight. And every single guy and girl in that locker room pushed themselves to the limit. So when you watch a great match go out before you, you know you got to have a great match. And, and it's the men and the women, you know. And, and it was like top to bottom, just solid matches. Yes, all the time. I and know. I hope it, it continues to be that way. And I hope it continues to have the, the basically the house that Kerry Silken built. I hope it keeps that aura, you know. Yeah, no kidding. And shout out to Kerry Silken. He's the man too, former guest as well. And yeah, it, in your opinion, do you think if COVID never hit... Again, what if? I, I hate it, but do you think Ring of Honor would still be strong and going in the way it was? I do, I do, because we were supposed to be we were supposed to have live TV. We're we're trying to build up the live TV. That's right. Um, they were they were doing biddings. Um, we did the Free Enterprise show in Baltimore, and that was what they were shopping around mm. to to get a network. Okay. And then COVID hit, and then once oh, COVID, the pandemic hit. There's no more, you know, and they took care of us. Ring of Honor took care of us the whole pandemic. I never missed a paycheck. I know. I've heard with other guests as well. Yes. Yeah. Like I was, we were still working. Uh, Brian and I were doing the YouTube channel with the happy hour. We oh, were doing okay. The Dragons thing. There you go. Um, Caprice and, and Shane, they were doing the For the Culture thing. Um, Ian Riccoboni was doing stuff. Quinn McKay stole the show with the week by week stuff. Oh, shit. Um, which we are all part of too. And, and, and that's, I, I firmly believe her doing the week by week stuff is what got her job her her job in wwe right now because oh. she just she killed it man like I, quinn if you're listening shout out to you she's <laughs> an amazing person um but yeah if i if, if covid didn't happen i think ring of honor would still be around as, oh, as it was yeah that that's just so well i just hope well people who know or who are close to tony Khan have said he's gonna have it in good hands because he is a wrestling fan and hopefully it continues with the tradition which it seems like because i saw the logo that came out it's sort of like harkens to the old school but a little bit of the new stuff so i i, I would assume it's in some sort of good hand i don't think they're gonna bury it like how uh, wwf did with wcw and pretty much made it disappear i think it'll be going on strong for a, a while at least I hope it does. Um, you know, um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, went in, uh, including my blood, sweat, and tears, went into to creating the company that it, the way it was before it got sold. You know, and, and think about it. It used to just be a little indie fed. I know. On the East Coast. And then it became an international, like literally an international company. At one point in time, we were the second rated Jeez. wrestling show right behind WWE. Yeah, you know? no kidding. Like we were B 
beating NXT in ratings and stuff like that. So wow. Well, even yeah. so, speaking of NXT, when it was the Golden Black, the so-called uh, Golden Era, no pun intended. You look up and down that roster. Everyone came from Ring of Honor. Yep. Exactly. So the proof is yeah. in the pudding, yeah. There was something magical <laughs> about Ring of Honor, man. And again, to this day, I used to love, it was, I used to watch, now I just watch WWE and AEW. But back in the day, my, my top three were WWE, a, um, Ring of Honor, and uh, Impact, which was TNA at the time. And then TNA fell off, and then the whole thing happened, and then, you know, the exodus of all the wrestlers. And then it was just literally Ring of Honor and WWE. If it wasn't for Ring of Honor... I probably would have left wrestling altogether because just watching one type of wrestling show, I don't think any wrestling fan should do that. I think you should dip your toes in multiple so then you keep it fresh and then you're not always complaining about this because you hear it every week. Oh, Raw sucked, Raw sucked. So why are you fucking watching it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, just be a wrestling fan. Right? Uh, when, I, when I was watching wrestling, because everyone was like, what, what was your company? My company was wrestling. Thank you. And, and, and that's because <laughs> I, was, I was searching out Brody. I ah. wanted to find Brody. Yeah, yeah. So I got exposed at a young age to every single style of wrestling. And I had my favorites. Sure. You know what I mean? But I watched everything. And to this day, I'll still watch everything. Because it, it, I'm a wrestling fan. Right. That's why I'm a wrestler. I'm a wrestling fan. I love watching wrestling. Plus, now I know guys. Now I have friends in the business. So I like to watch my friends of succeed. Of course. You know, um, I, I like watching like Tommaso Ciampa, really good friend of mine. I loved what he did in the Golden. The right. Golden, Fantastic. I mean, he, re, he, he reinvented himself in Ring of Honor, and then he did it again in NXT. Right. You know, um, AEW. There's guys in AEW that are, are friends of mine. That I'm like, good for them. Like they're <laughs> they're getting a paycheck still. They're still on that national stage because it's hard. Yeah. Like you gotta think, um, professional wrestling isn't like the NFL or Major League Baseball or anything. there's no draft right there's no you know after you get done with training it's not like right away that you go to a team and, and there you are no, <laughs> I know like, very few of us get signed to a major company you know I was one of those few which I appreciate and I love and I thank God every day I got that yeah. but you know that's why we should all be happy for each other you know and, and be happy to watch the success of other people yeah, and everyone's path is different. Like like you said, yeah. some people go right to a big promotion. Other people stay and become a journeyman for a while. Then they become something huge on TV. And it's like, no one knows the path. You just take it. And like how you said, like, it, okay, you shouldn't eat shit, but you shouldn't talk shit at the same time either. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, what, is that, what does that accomplish? Right? It's so you know, true. You're burying somebody that you might have to wrestle someday. What's the point of doing that? <laughs> I know. I never understood that because it all circles lead back to, to the same position eventually you know what i mean yeah i think it's just guys that want to get a little bit of buzz so they go and they say yeah. something and it's like you don't have that's not buzz man that's that's you're, that's literally five seconds of fame yeah no you kidding know? no and another but, thing i love the ball work speak for itself yeah Exactly, exactly. And another thing I loved about Ring of Honor was all the co-promotion events that they used. Speaking of Forbidden Door, you guys pretty much invented it with CMLL and New Japan. Like, you guys were the originators of that stuff, you know, before it became cool. What were some of your greatest moments wrestling with these other promotions? Um, I got to wrestle a lot of guys I looked up to in New Japan. Um, ah, okay. I, I'm a big fan of Hiroki Goto. Oh, and there you I go. Went, when I went to Japan, that's the guy that I wanted to wrestle, and that's who I got to wrestle. Oh, nice. But not only did I get to wrestle him, but I became his friend, too. Oh. To the point where the other day we were interacting on Twitter back and forth, sure. and it was just, it was a good feeling. He was a guy <laughs> I looked up to. 
you know what I mean, for years. And then I got to share the locker room with him. And then I got to share the ring with him, and I earned his respect. Wow. You know, and that, that was great. Um, wrestling LIJ, who were the hottest, other than the Bullet Club, they were the hottest yep. faction in professional wrestling. Yep. And it went from doing a six-man with them to working singles with Naido. Oh, you know, shit. which. Yeah, up in Toronto, I got to wrestle Naido. That's and right. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I got to do stuff with Suzuki, and then I got to do stuff with Liger. Yeah. You know, I mean, who who says <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger is, is literally a god in this business. You know, right. he's done it all. He's wrestled for WCW. He's wrestled for uh, ECW. He's wrestled for WWF. He's wrestled yep. for WWE. You know what I mean? Like, Liger was the man, and I got to do stuff with him. Um, and then get to do stuff with Muda and, and Haku Another and stuff. One. And it's oh like, how many people can say that, you know? And, <laughs> and I got to. And I, and I valued every single minute of it. And, and it's a great memory. And, and my wife always tells me, she's like, whenever you get down, you know, because cause my career is winding down. I'm 43 years old. I know I'm, I'm older. I'm getting beat up. Sure. She goes, whenever you get down about that, think of all the chapters in your, your book that you've written. And, and all true. these guys you've got to share the ring with. We were watching... ECW uh, from 96 the other day. Okay. And three or four matches in a row, every single guy came out I'd either had a match with or been in a locker room with. That's awesome. <laughs> and literally, like two weeks ago, on, on Thursday, the Monster Factory had the show, and I was hanging right. out with Blue Meanie, the Headbangers, D'Lo Brown, Pitbull, number one. And, and like, that's when my wife said, you don't think about that. That's. Could you imagine eleven year old you? Like, can you imagine traveling back in time and telling eleven year old you, "Yeah, that guy you're watching right there, you're gonna wrestle him twenty times, and, and you're gonna talk to him on the phone on a regular basis." Right. You know, that's that's just cool. And and when she said that, it kind of clicked in my head, like, "Wow, she's right." Like, <laughs> that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the problem again, this is a human problem. We foresight, like we don't look behind, like you know what I mean. So we don't think of what we've accomplished. We always want more, and that's just our appetite. And it's sort of being a bit greedy or not. But it, yeah, it's it's so cool looking back at all these things. And also, imagine if you had to be a regular blue or white collar worker. How boring would that have been? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I, I, when Ring of Honor closed, I actually had that moment of, of sitting there and thinking, okay. like, do I go back and get a nine to five job? And, and my wife goes, you can't do a nine-to-five job. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, there's no way I can. And she's like, we'll be fine. You know, you, you can figure this out. You can work the indies. You did it before. Right. Now you have name recognition. And exactly. I'm like, that's true. And, and, you know, like, she's always been my biggest support. You know, she <laughs> she awesome. lets me live my dream, but then really brings me back to earth when I need to. Like, my wife and kids all do that. And, and I appreciate that because they don't let me get a big head, you know. Right. Um, I said something the other day. We had just got this brand new puppy. Okay. Um, and I literally was, I wrestled for this company called AML here in North Carolina, which is an amazing company. Mm-hmm. And it's only about an hour and a half from where I live now. And I did a show and they had about 350, 400 people there. Okay. And they were booing me out of the building. <laughs> so I, I go from being booed out of the building and people wanting my autograph and my picture right. to driving an hour and a half home. And now I'm picking up my dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Right. My wife, as soon as we got home, my wife goes, "Hey, you gotta take the dog out. I don't care what you did earlier. You gotta. It's your turn. You gotta take the dog out." So it's like that real humbling moment. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up because the way that I got not to say that I'm huge or anything, but if I was ever to get an ego myself, the way I look at it too, because I've been noticing, like. Imagine like when everyone's like, oh, I, I want to have this lifestyle. I want to have that lifestyle. To me, you know what the perfect life is? 
being a rich billionaire's pet. Imagine that life. Like, you know what I mean? So, and they, and they don't know any better. To them, their owners are a regular Joe Schmo that's walking down the street. You know what I mean? So I look at it sort of like a pet's eyes. Like, no one's better than anyone. You have to just, you know, as long as you're good at what you do, be proud and be, you know, happy of what you've done, of course. But at the same time, you don't have to be a friggin' show off. Yeah, and, and like my family's always kept me grounded, which I love. Um, there was a time where right before my daughter left for college, we were at a, like a little festival, and it was it was my birthday. Right. And fans were there, and they kept coming up and saying happy birthday and all that. Oh, and nice. my daughter just looks at me and goes, all right, let's go. And, you know, back with Dad. Like, <laughs> See, she doesn't care. <laughs> she, well, she, she, they, it was a joke to her because like, right. they, they grew up, you know, they – my kids have been alive as long as I've been wrestling. So it, to them, it's I've always been, you know, it's just my job. Right. You know, it's just like a door-to-door salesman. I'm just on the road all the time. And they get a kick out of it when people start talking about me and don't know they're, that they're my kids. You know, like they had one time where my son and was on the bus and these kids were talking about Ring of Honor. It was right around the time when um, I think I just wrestled. The, we did the six-man against the Young Bucks and Cody in, in Philly. Oh, okay. So they're all talking about that, and they go, oh, you, you know, my son's name's Dakota. Like, Cody, did you did you see that? And, you know, this Peter City Bruiser guy's from here. He's amazing and all that. And yeah. my son goes, I heard he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> and, and so he gets home. He tells me a story. I laugh. We go. He was he was doing amateur, like high school wrestling. Okay. So we go. I go to his meet, and I'm watching oh. him because I – Anytime I was at home, I'd support my kids. And right. all of a sudden, the meet gets done. I walk up. I give him a hug. So he did a really good job. And all those kids that were on the bus turn and look. And they're like, and Cody looks at him and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, he's my dad. Like, <laughs> That's you know, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of kids, do you want your kids or do they show any interest of ever becoming professional wrestlers themselves? Um, my son has, has said he wanted to. My daughter's they're back and forth that the thing that i with with my kids that they've learned from me is nothing's impossible Mm. if you have a dream and you want to achieve it if you work hard enough you'll achieve it and all three all all four of them actually are working towards their dreams because they know it's it's a possible even if it's you know not a guarantee like professional wrestling's not a guarantee they still they, they get it and they they you know and that's what I always taught them was like, just work hard and keep working at it. You're going to do fine. And that's, that's a very proud moment. Um, my daughter, my, my wife ended up having to take my daughter away from shows a couple times. Cause oh. my daughter gets mad when she sees simple things being screwed up. Oh no. Hey, yeah. she's got the eye then. That's good. Yeah. And she's very <laughs> vocal about it and okay. not polite. Oh no. <laughs> so my wife was like, Hey, you gotta leave right now because you represent your dad. That's and, true and too. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, but I just don't get it. these guys are the shits. And, and, <laughs> oh my, and, God. No, my wife would be like, "You're right, but you can't say that to them." Oh no. Yeah, and, That's and, hilarious. and like I always joke that that she's gonna get in the business, but right. not as a wrestler, as like a creative. Because she, yeah. she uh, it's funny because a lot of the stuff I did in Ring of Honor, I bounced off of of her oh, or wow. my son. Okay, and, and like, what do you guys think of that? Uh, when Vinny was turning into Vincent, yep, and we did all that stuff. She had a big hand in, in helping me come up with ideas and stuff. Oh, you know? cool! 
Yeah, and, and like whenever I, I put matches together and stuff, see, the thing about wrestlers is once you become a wrestler, you think like a wrestler. Of course. But we don't perform for wrestlers, we perform for fans. Good call, yeah. So I always had a sounding board when I get home with my wife and kids where they would watch my match and they'd be like, well, why'd you do this? That didn't <laughs> make sense. And I'd be like, oh, I did that because, oh, wait a minute, you're not wrestlers, you're fans. And that's how... I was able to make my matches separate from everybody else's because I'd throw that little what do fans want to see type stuff. Of course. Yeah, I know. That's so cool. And okay, before we get to the word story of the week, I want to also bring up wrestling aside, your other two hobbies, beer and cigars. Yep. <laughs> okay, love well, beer, love cigars. let's start with the beer, my friend. So, okay, well, leading into the beer, when did the whole Beer City Bruiser gimmick start? Because I assume you didn't start off your, your wrestling career as that gimmick, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, I started actually as a lumberjack, and I was oh, called Dick Moore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so the, the Beer City Bruiser thing came about where when I got back from Harley's, I, I've always wanted to change the name from Dindy. I did it for like 10 years, and I always wanted to change it because okay. it was just it was a joke given to me, and I made it work. You know, and, and that's why I've always been proven that no matter what, you can make stuff work if you work hard enough. Sure. And I always tell people, you think this gimmick's stupid, this is what I was, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when I got back from Harley's, I was actually going under my real name. Oh. Like, no gimmick, just my real name. Okay. And uh, doing like the throwbacks thing like I do now. Sure. And there's a buddy of mine named Nick Colucci, and he was kind of just floundering around the indies, and he, he called me up one day. He goes, hey, man, we should tag. Oh, okay. And I says, what, what do you mean? He goes, well, they're just putting me with these guys. I'm not having fun. Like, at least with you, I can, you know, I, I can tag and, and we can have fun and all that. I said, yeah, we can do that. I says, what are you thinking for, like, he goes, like a gimmick or something. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, let's just be us. I go, dude, all we do is drink <laughs> beer and get in a bar fight. He goes, exactly. Uh, I'm like, I can get behind that. You know, cool. like, okay. And so I, I came up with like kind of the throwback style with the trunks and the and the paying homage to the crusher and stuff. And I'm like, well, what do we call ourselves? And he's like, well, yeah, the original name we came up with Six Pack Express because we're both chubbier guys. <laughs> kind of like, uh-huh. and we're like, that's stupid. Let's not do that. Okay. And then I was like, well, I'm a big Bruiser Brody fan, so it's got to have Bruiser in there. There you go. And the, and then we're like, well, we're from Milwaukee, which is the Brew City. But I don't want to be labeled as just as from just when you hear Bruce City, you think just Milwaukee. Right. So I was like, why not Beer City? Because any place that serves beer is a beer city. Yeah. So we were a tag team, Beer City Bruisers, and then um, I used my real name. He used his real name. Gotcha. Well, he ended up um, getting hurt and like getting out of the business for a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. when Ring of Honor. I did my tryout. And Ring of Honor liked it, and they're the ones that came up with, hey, drop your real name, just be the Beer City Bruiser. Ah. It fits you. You're this throwback, this is yeah, it. Yeah, of course. I, so that's how that yeah. happened. And then uh, at the Top Prospect Tournament, Carino's the one that said, hey, you you pay homage to Crusher all the time. Mm-hmm. You should come out with a cigar and a, and a keg of beer. And I was, because I was already just coming out with a, with a regular can of beer. Sure. And he goes, you should come out with a cigar and a keg of beer. Like, you did. Pay homage to him. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I had a guy named uh, JP that was with me, and he ran, and, and he found a cigar for me. And <laughs> the first, my first top prospect match, I don't have the keg. Okay. My second one, though, I do, because Miller Lite 
uh, I was at some, I forget where I was, but uh, rapper Miller Lite was there, and they're like, hey, we see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. We want to help you. We're going to give you this keg as long as you tell people it's from us. Oh, I'm like, awesome. Smart. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so then I had the keg, I had the cigar, and, and you know, the rest is history. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I want to know some things about beers with you, some facts here. Okay, what's your favorite domestic beer? Uh, I love Yingling. So, what? Uh, Never y- heard of that. Yingling. No, it's so it's only on the east coast of America. Okay. And since I was in the Midwest, I couldn't get it all the time. Ah. It's that type of thing where they you get something every once in a while. Sure. But you don't have it all the time, so you get that taste for it. Right. And now that I'm in North Carolina, it's everywhere, and I love it. So that that was always my favorite. If I couldn't get Yingling, it was always either Miller Lite or Coors Light. Okay, I'm of course like guy myself. If I do drink beer, I'm, I'm more of a, a whiskey guy. But if I do have a beer, it'll be of course like because Jack Daniels and Jameson is what I like with the whiskey. Oh, there you go. Up here we have one called Wiser's. That's oh, just okay. fantastic. You got to try it next time you're up here in Canada. Okay, how about this favorite imported beer? Uh, either Guinness or Fosters. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like a stout. I like that the Guinness. Dark stout. Um, I'm a big fan of like craft beers, and and my wife and I, whenever we take vacations and stuff, she's really good at like finding like little craft breweries that serve food and stuff. Right, right. And whenever we go there, I always get the flights of beer, and I always make sure I have some sort of dark stout in there, um, just because mm. I want to find something that's as good as Guinness, you know. And then when I met Martina, session with Martina, she goes, "You're not having real Guinness. You got to come to Ireland to get the real Guinness." I've and heard. Like, I, I know. I have to do that. <laughs> Oh my God, I've heard too. I don't know. I, I can't do it. Like, it sounds like you don't discriminate against any beer. So what's your favorite type I, I of do, beer? I do, actually. I do. Oh. I'm, not a big, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of hoppy IPAs. If it's too oh. hoppy, I don't like it. The only IPA okay. I really like is Stone Cold's. Ah, okay, yeah, gotcha. So, yeah, you know what? I'm not a big IPA guy either. Uh, we have uh, yeah. uh, Alexander Keith's up here. That one's okay. It's mild, like you said, but no, I do get, or even like bitter beer, I, I can't stand. Like for me, yeah. it's got to be some kind of light lager and, 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 and I'm good for tonight. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pilsners and lagers. Um, I, I'm a fan of beer, so I'm willing to try anything. Like I will try it and if I don't like it, I don't like it. If I like it, I like it. But I, I found there's, there's, like I said, the only IPA I really care for is Stone Cold IPA. And I was even a little leery about trying that, even though it's Stone sure. Cold. But uh, I did a podcast called Bacon is My Podcast. These guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. And they sent me a bunch of beer. And they, one of them was a Stone Cold oh, beer. Wow. And uh, I was like, I don't know. My wife said, just try it. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> like Stone Cold knows his beer. <laughs> How about fruit and beer? Do you appreciate that? Yep. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. There's, a, there's a company in Wisconsin um, that makes, they're, they're called New Glarus, And they make a okay. cherry brew. Okay, okay. And it's it's to die for. Um if every year on my birthday I used to get myself because it comes in like a wine bottle it's a beer but it comes in a wine bottle with wax over the top mm-hmm. so as like a celebration for myself I'd always get a bottle of it for my birthday oh and, and I like that and then when my mother-in-law when we moved into the house here my mother-in-law came for a week to help us get settled and there's a little craft brewery in town here and we went to that and she she likes some of that fruity stuff too okay they had this sour cherry beer at this brewery, so we both tried it, and that was pretty good too. And then I, I love orange wheat beers; those are awesome. Yeah, that's that's a popular one up here. Orange, they do a lot of it yep. up here for sure. Okay, how about this? You've, you've described many of beers across the board, but if you could make the perfect beer, what would be the perfect like? How would you like? 
I mean, taste wise, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of this. What would be your perfect beer, in your opinion? It, it wouldn't have a lot of bitterness. It wouldn't have a lot of hoppiness. Okay. Uh, it, it would almost have like a, a nutty feel to it because I like some nutty brown beers. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, like a fat tire or some, but not as thick as a fat tire. I'd make it a little bit lighter, kind of like a, a lager or a, a pilsner. You know, sure. a pilsner's pretty light. Yeah. Um, something like that. And then I'd always do, I'd, so that'd be the base beer, but then I'd have a side of it where I would throw in some sort of fruits or something, some apple or some. Oh, wow. I, I'm a cherry fan, so some cherry. You know, something like that to kind of get the palate going. Would you ever want to have a brewery and run your own brewery and make beer yourself eventually? I would like to, but I've heard that it's a very political market. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard um, from, from different microbrewers that it's, it's very political and trying to get your beer into bars and stuff like that is, oh. is really political. And, and I don't know if I want to, because I'm a professional wrestler, which is also pretty political. Sure. I don't know if I want to do that, but... I would love to. Tony Deppin has his own brewery, and I, I've always talked to him. You know, like how'd you do that and stuff. Like, right. I don't. Do I want to eventually? Yeah, I'm. I'm more leaning to owning my own bar before I, oh. I do something. Like that. Sure. Yeah. Because my my wife, she used to be a uh, in host, uh, hospitality, like hotel management, restaurant right, stuff. Right. So she knows like the ins and outs of the business. Now she's an accountant. Oh, even better. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, if we take my name and then my taste and stuff with your knowledge. We could figure out some sort of successful bar. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's on the table. I'm still trying to, to twist her arm to do it, but she's like, "Nope, I've seen that. I don't want to. We don't want to go down that road." And I'm like, "You know, I don't know. It'd be fun." <laughs> oh man. Okay, now I got to know what's the most amount of beers you've ever had in one sitting, my friend. Uh God. Do you know how many beers? Uh, I was gonna like she's seen. It's usually when I'm with Malonis is really? what I drink. Okay. I, yeah, I've, I polished a case of beer off one time with Malonis, and then we went down to the hotel. We each had our own case of beer. Holy shit. And he drank his, I drank mine, and then we went down to the hotel bar. Oh, my God. And then he switched to wine, and then I was still drinking beer. What? And uh, Yeah, and then we got back in the room like six or six, like pretty early in the morning. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. So I want to say, I forget about, I usually get about a case in, and then I start forgetting how many, I just, then it's just fun to drink. (laughs) (laughs) I could only imagine, I wish, I'm a lightweight man, like as soon as I start hitting my fifth, sixth drink, uh, something inside, I just get all sick and nauseous, and that's it, I'm done for tonight. (laughs) Yeah, the key is you gotta have water every once in a while. I've heard that, yeah, I know, and that's the problem, I never do that. Yep, you gotta throw water in there, and you gotta eat. You got to make sure you See, eat at some point. Okay. That's my problem, too. I don't like to eat when I'm drinking, so I make sure I have a nice big meal a few hours before I drink at See, night. that's your problem. That's why you're getting sick. I, I think so, yeah. You might be right you there. You got to snack before, and then while you're drinking, keep snacking, then maybe have a meal, and then keep drinking after that. Good call. Okay, I'll, I'll try that the next time, then, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, now, the cigar business. How did all this... When did you get into leveling cigars and smoking cigars? Because... To me, like, I don't mind a good cigar. I just don't have the time to sit there and smoke a whole friggin' cigar. Like, you know what I mean? To me, it's it's a lifestyle. It's like, you know, and I'm sure you could contest to all this, but it's like, I don't know. I, I just can't get into that lifestyle. So how did you get into all of it? The, the, the Actually, the secret is I don't actually smoke the cigars. I just chew on them. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, um, Carino is the one that suggested this cigar, but... 
you know, when I was growing up, I used to always, you know, chewing tobacco and stuff like, because I played football and stuff like that. Ah, so then okay. when he suggested the cigar, it's like, well, I don't want to just come out with a cigar. So like I started chewing on it. I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. So I can find the ones that, that taste pretty good and stuff like that. And then, um, like fans always come up and give me cigars, which I love because I'll use them in my entrance and stuff. I'm like oh. my wife, she'll have one every once in a while. Okay. I have a buddy back home that that loves them. You know, anytime he cooks out, he he's sitting at his grill with a cigar. Yeah, see, that's different. You know, so, Doing that, that's yeah. the best. Yes, of course. Yeah, but but you're right. It takes up a lot of time. But I, I've been to cigar bars and stuff like that, and I've sat and and, and I I know the ones I like to smell. I know the ones I like to taste. Sure. Um. So I don't actually smoke them. I just, I chew on them. I, I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite flavor? Do you like, like, the flavored types, like the rum and whiskey flavored? Oh, yeah. Ch- oh, yeah? You the like rums, those? The rums are the best, yeah. Um, I, I, I had one that was dipped in cognac one time that oh, was really good. okay. Yeah, yeah, some high-end stuff. Um, I have some Cubans here um, that a student of mine gave me before before we moved. Mm-hmm. And those are those are real nice. See, I wonder now if the whole infatuation with Americans, with Cubans, is because you guys can't get them. Because we could get them up here, obviously, because it's it's not a problem for us. It's not illegal, yeah. right? So it's like, because it's so available, no one really cares to have a Cuban. Like, But down there, it's like, oh, the Holy Grail, you got a Cuban? Oh, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think it's more of that novelty when it comes... To me, a good cigar is like a good cigar. It's like I told you before. You get a little taste of it, but you can't have it all the time, so you constantly want it. See, and that's how you it should I mean? be for wrestling. You know what I mean? You give a little, so then they keep coming back for more. That's how, yeah, exactly. You, you tease them a little bit, and you don't give them the whole shebang, you know? Because, like, I'll use I'll use Canada as an example. Mm-hmm. You guys have the ketchup potato chips, which is, like, all the rave. Yeah. Because we can't get them here. But yes. you guys are like, yeah, it's normal. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. But then we have stuff down here that you guys can't get up there. You guys just think you're all the rave, you know. Um, one of the things coming from Wisconsin, the big thing is cheese curds, deep fried cheese curds. Oh, that's awesome. We have awesome. them all the time. Yeah. So, like, Caprice Coleman is a really good friend of mine who actually helped convince us to move to North Carolina. He okay. was just in Milwaukee for AEW. Okay, yeah. He sent me a picture of him eating the cheese curds. <laughs> cool. But I forgot he doesn't have, you know, he wasn't, they're not always accessible to him. So it's that little, just like me with the yingling, you know what I mean? Yep. Or the Americans with the Cubans. It's, you get a little taste, but then it's taken away. You know, like if I gave you a, a taste of chocolate cake, but I didn't let you have the whole piece, you want that chocolate cake. <laughs> it's But again, the balance, that's what it all comes down to because humans don't know how to balance. And again, that's why there's addicts in the world and people don't know how to balance yep. And even addicts towards everything, like work-life balance even. Like people either go one way or the other. It's always one extreme to the other. It, it, it just sucks, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're human. We're all you, flawed. Well, speaking of flawed and weird and stuff, let's get to the word story of the week, my friend. All right. Okay, I'm glad that you brought up you're a huge sports fan because this is a total coincidence, and I'm glad that you love hockey. So obviously you know that the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, right? Oh, well, hell yeah, they did. So, okay. What... <laughs> What would you do if a major league trophy all of a sudden magically showed up on your driveway? Oh, I, if it was a Stanley Cup, I'd drink beer out of it right away. <laughs> you wouldn't even wait a second, right? No, when, when we did the NWA stuff, Brian and I, before the pandemic, okay, yeah, yeah. It was for the, they had the Crockett Cup there. That's right, and yes. The first, thing, the first thing James Storm, me, and Malonis did was drink beer out of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so if, if I had if I had the Crockett if I had the Stanley Cup, I'd drink beer out of it. If I had 
um, the major league, uh, you know, the the World Series, all the flags and stuff like yep. that. I'd probably somehow skewer sausages all over <laughs> and serve my friends. Like it's all food related. Like uh, my wife and I are very food motivated. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's hilarious. Okay, well, it actually did happen to someone in Colorado. Oddly enough. Where the the I guess what however you call them uh, I don't know the person who takes care of the cup the the keeper of the cups so to speak yep. the one who was always with them that same guy that, that now speaking of jobs now that's a friggin' job right there yeah he literally travels the country with the cup and just gives it to different guys so they can have it for twenty four hours and then he takes it away and gives it to somebody else and now imagine all the athletes and pro like uh, well yeah because obviously hockey players are athletes like the Wayne Gretzky's the Marilyn Mews up and like the Sidney Crosby's like all those generational people he got to hang out with but anyways so he dropped it off at the wrong address he's supposed to drop it off at the uh, the Avalanche's captain's house but it was sort of similar to street name so they dropped it off at this guy's driveway he came out saw it there luckily the guy came back like literally right away but the cool thing is the keeper of the cup I guess he was a little bit embarrassed or whatnot he actually let the guy he pulled it out of the case because it was still in the case I guess he pulled it out of the case and let the guy actually hold it and take pictures with it yeah that, that, see I'd do that but I, I would probably take it out of the case drink some beer and then realize it's my neighbors and go give it to my neighbor <laughs> Oh man, yeah, this sort of stuff never happens to to uh, people like us, right? It's always like yeah. these... no, I, I, that'd be awesome if the Stanley Cup just randomly showed up. <laughs> oh, that's cool. All right, plug your stuff where people can find you. Anything you want to promote, my friend? Okay, um, I'm currently right now on a podcast. Also, it's uh, called Darkness Radio. Nice. We do a True Crime Tuesday, and then we do a, a Supernatural News. It's like I'm a big paranormal fan. Oh wow! So. We cover that on Wednesdays, and you can find it anywhere you stream podcasts. So it's just called Darkness Radio. Uh, Tim, my buddy, and I, we do it. It's, it's amazing. Um, you can buy my T-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Beer City Bruiser. Um, I got a lot of tees on there. Um, so go there and, and please get them. They're amazing. Um, I don't always have the shirts at the show, so people always ask, and that's the way to get them. Uh, I'm on Cameo, so if you want me to do a shout-out, it's just Cameo Beer City Bruiser. Uh, Facebook is Beer City Bruiser, Instagram Beer City Bruiser, uh, Twitter I'm at BCB Winchester. Um, follow me. Go ahead. I, I'm tweeting all the time. Um, I just currently started training at the AML uh, Wrestling School. I mm-hmm. do it on Wednesday nights for them. So just check out check out AMLWrestling.com or go to their Facebook page and you can find all the information. You can come train with me. Like I, I love training the, the future. Um, so come on out and do that. And then, uh, do you remember those old wrestling buddies? Of course. I think I, no, it's in the, we put it in the room cause the dog was going to get, <laughs> but, uh, I have one made of myself. Oh, wow. and that's, yeah, it was made by a company called that's brothers. Awesome. Gador. Uh, so it's brothers G A D D O R, um, brothers You can buy a, a beer city bruiser wrestling buddy. And if you want, you can get a tag team because they have a Malonis one too. So you can buy a two-pack of us and and you can wrestle me every night if you want. (laughs) That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast dap. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at thepodcastdap at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review each and every week on all major platforms. Okay, one last question before I, I let you go. You brought it up. Yep. You're training now. You're doing this. This is perfect because now 
I'm assuming this will lead into your post-wrestling career and then you could do this for a living moving forward. But I got to know, in your short time of training or if you've trained before in the past, what is the one thing that pisses you off the most of day one attendees? Um, not giving 110%. Are you serious? People actually go there and drag their feet? Yeah, like oh. because they don't expect to, to, to pain. Like wrestling is painful. Oh, hurts. Gotcha. The ropes hurts. I know. When you're when you're day one, or your body's not geared for it. Like I've been doing this for 22 years, so my body's calloused. It's kind of like Arn Anderson put it great: when you lift weights, you get calluses on your hands because you're lifting the weights. Well, in wrestling, that's what we do. Your back gets used to taking the bumps. Your back gets used to hitting the ropes or the cables. Of course. Um, and so these kids come in and they want to be pro wrestlers because they thought all the time and then they realize how much goes into it oh. and then they start flubbing and, and all that. Like, don't waste my time. I'm, I'm taking my time out of my day. I'm taking That's time true. away from my family to come here to help you. Give me 110%. You know, just that, and that's the thing I don't like is that when they come in, it's not what they expected, and they just want to flub it. It's like, but they still want to be a wrestler. It's like <laughs> you can't have it both ways. You, you got it. It's either all or nothing. I could only imagine. Oh my goodness. Well, on that note, he's Beer City Bruiser. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.